0: So at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. And this is how it's to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He should not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother, because the Lord's time for canceling debts have been proclaimed. You must require payment from a foreigner. But you, must, you, you may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your brother owes you. However, there should be no poor among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. And if, you are only, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today— for the Lord your God will bless you, as he's promised, and you, will, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If there's a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fist towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed, freely lend him whatever he needs be careful not to harbor this wicked thought the seventh year the year for canceling debt is near so you do not show ill will towards your brother in need and give him nothing he may then appeal to the lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin give generously to him do so without a grudging heart to him, do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your hard work and in everything you put your hand to do. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and the needy in your land. And if a fellow Hebrew, a man or woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year you must let him go free will you pray with me please our great and almighty father we come with grateful hearts that we can gather freely without fear to worship and honor your name we ask Lord this morning that your word will speak boldly to our hearts And that you'll guide and lead this discussion today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I really want to push back on today's passage. I really want to push back on God's word. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios that pop up in my head. I mean, what if, what if, for example... What if someone owes you a debt, but he knows the seventh year's coming, and so, like, he skips out of the last two payments? Do I make him make two more payments before I cancel the debt? What if someone owes me a, bet, a debt, but knows the seventh year's coming? What do I do? if he skips the whole year? If I take someone on, and I know that in the past they've done this to me, do I charge them a higher interest rate so I can get my money back? And let's talk about repeat offenders, right? You have canceled their debt for the seventh year, and they come back to you again. Do you give them money again, knowing that they're probably going to do this? What if they are just bad with money and you know that they're just going to blow this money that you give them? I think the passage tells us clearly the simple answer is to treat your neighbor, treat your brother, treat people better than you think they deserve. Amen? I think that's the heart of the passage. The heart of the passage is to treat others better than you think they deserve. But in order to get there, we've got to talk about a few major issues that you and I need to overcome if we're going to get there, if we're going to have that kind of heart. Because we come to this passage with baggage. Because you know people who have hurt you, right? You know people who have taken advantage of other people. You know people who've been hurt because someone's taken advantage of them. We've seen people take advantage of honest systems, and there's a deep sense that we want justice. I've even said it, friends. I paid my debt. You need to pay yours. So journey with me this morning as we work through this baggage so we can better understand God's Word and the life that he's called us to live out of bondage and into freedom. Will you walk with me this morning? Let's talk first about identity. That's the first word I want you to write down and think about, because verse 7 really brings it home, doesn't he? Verse 7 says, If your brother, right? If your brother. If there's a poor man among your brother's, in any of the towns of the land that the Lord God has given you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fist against your poor brother. He repeats it twice. He calls these poor men brothers. God is asking the Israelites to forgive the debt of their brothers. These poor men... And these poor women have names, and they have identities. They are parents, they are grandparents, they are children, and they are children of God. God humanizes the poor, and we must do the same. One of my favorite Christmas stories is that great old A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens the ghost of Christmas present takes the old miser Ebenezer Scrooge to his employee's house, Bob Cratchit, right? And he watches, Ebenezer Scrooge watches as Bob Cratchit interacts with his family, and then Scrooge falls in love with Tiny Tim, humanizing these poor people These leeches on society, as Ebenezer Scrooge would have called them. And after this interaction, after he watches and humanizes these poor folks, Scrooge no longer sees Bob Cratchit as an employee, but a fellow human being. And Jesus does the same thing in Luke chapter 16, when he tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man is well-dressed. He lives in a beautiful home. He ate like a king. Lazarus, on the other hand, sat at the rich man's gate and begged for food every day. He longed. For the rich man to be eating and the crumbs to fall on the floor and him to sweep those crumbs up and just let him nibble at the crumbs. And he was sick. The dogs came and licked his sores. The rich man refused to help his brother Lazarus. And my favorite part of the story is that Jesus gives this poor man a name, Lazarus. And he never gives the rich man a name. And even as the rich man addresses Abraham in the parable, he doesn't give Lazarus a name. He doesn't humanize him. He doesn't give him an identity Because all Lazarus is to this rich rich man is a leech on society. And when all was said and done, the rich man died and Lazarus died. They both approached God and God judged each of them. I think sometimes we forget That poor folks have names. They have families. They have dreams. They have hopes. They have a spirit. Just like you and me. So let's approach today's passage in the topic of canceling out your brother's debt. Understanding that people are people. Whether they're rich or they're poor. I think the the next layer we've just got to kind of work through to completely apply this to our hearts is bitterness. And bitterness, it it gets there. And God even acknowledges the bitterness in verse 9. Did you notice that? He says, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. He basically says, listen, I know you're going to be bitter, and I know you've got that poor man there that you could give something to, and in your heart you're thinking, you're going to be freed of your debt really, really soon. Why am I giving you anything? He says, don't harbor that wicked thought. It's that bitterness that roots down deep into our soul's We've got to work through that, just like they did too. A miser once called, was once called by a chairperson of a community charity. Sir, the fundraiser said, our records show that despite your wealth, you've never once given to our charity. And the miser responded, do your records show that I have an elderly mother who was left penniless when my father died? Do your records show that I have a disabled brother who is unable to work? Do your records show that I have a widowed sister with small children who can barely make ends meet? The fundraiser was embarrassed. I said, no, sir, our, our records don't show those things. And the miser said, well, I don't give to any of them, so why should I give to you? (laughs) We can't let bitterness root down inside of our lives. Jesus, he tells a very tricky parable for each one of us to really appreciate, if we're honest. He tells this parable in Matthew chapter 20, about a vineyard owner who needed to hire some day laborers. He began out early in the morning, just as the sun was coming up, and he gathered some of these workers who agreed to work his vineyard for Denarius. They started their day early, and from every point in the parable, we can tell they worked hard. But the owner noticed there were some folks in the marketplace standing around. They didn't have work to do. So at 9 a.m., he hired a few more workers. And this repeated at noon, at 3 p.m., at 5 p.m. And even in the evening, the foreman noticed, the, the owner noticed that there were still people in the marketplace, and he hired them to work his vineyard. Those who started working from the break of dawn were probably tired, wouldn't you say? But we're told that the foreman in the evening began to pass out the denarius for their day, started with those who, who began their day early and gave them a denarius, And those he hired at 9 a.m., he gave them a denarius. And those he hired at noon, he gave them a denarius. And those he hired at 2 p.m., he gave them a denarius. And at 5 p.m., those who had only worked maybe just an hour, he gave them a denarius. Whether they worked 12 hours or two, and they were furious. Those who had worked all day were furious and demanded an explanation for the unfair wage. And the owner gives this powerful explanation found in Matthew 20, verses 13 through 15. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. And don't I have that right to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Oh, did you hear it? That envy, right? Maybe it got down there deep in the soul as a bitter root. Are you envious Because I am generous. And so when we read about the generosity of God in that seventh year, why are we in this? Why are we upset? Why are we bothered? What is keeping us as being as generous as God has been to us? Which then brings me to the final point that I, I really believe if we just work through these layers, we can be as generous as God. It's the idea of grace. Verse 12 gets a little bit deeper into the truth found in this passage. It says, uh, If a fellow Hebrew, a man or woman, sells himself to you, this means that he is, he is voluntarily chosen to sell himself into slavery to this person that he owes debt to. And he serves you for six years. He said in the seventh year, you must let him go free. No one deserves to be a slave. No one deserves to be a slave. The whole purpose of this sermon series is to remind us, as God reminded the Israelites, that they were no longer slaves. God did not free the Israelites to allow them to turn around and be put right back into slavery with their fellow brothers. No one deserves to be a slave. They deserve more. People deserve better. In fact, if you read on, he says, and when you release them on that eighth year, that seventh year, sorry, do not send them back empty-handed. Supply him, what's he say? Liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press. Give to him as the Lord has blessed you, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. And that's why I'm giving this command today. We don't say, well, here's a bus pass. Good luck. Give generally, generously, give literally. From your flocks, from your wine press, set them up for success. Those who were in debt appreciated the opportunity to be placed into slavery so that they could pay off their debt and not die of starvation and their culture, right? But God said they should not remain as slaves. Treat people better than they deserve. Give them grace. There was a young boy who was staring intently into the window of a Cadillac parked at the mall. The owner walked up and wondered why this young boy was doing such a thing. He put his hands on his shoulders and asked. The boy said he was interested in cars. He's read a lot about models of cars, and he was very interested in this Cadillac. The owner talked with the boy for a while, explained to him as much detail as he could about this particular model and style, and after a while, the boy asked him, Mr., how much did you pay for this car? And the man replied, well, nothing. My brother gave it to me, and the boy said, oh, I wish. But he stopped. He stopped. And the man chuckled and said, "Well, you're probably going to say you wish you had a brother like mine." And he said, "No, sir. I have a brother who is crippled, and I'd like to do something nice for him." Peter says in 1 Peter 4:10 that each of us, you and me, we should use whatever gift we've received To serve others. And God says that's the way of being a faithful steward of God's grace. These Israelites had been freed from slavery. And God's command to them was don't do what the Egyptians did to you. Don't allow people to be slaves, whether it's financially or physically, but to give generously because as you were freed from Egypt, God gave generously to them. And that, my friends, is how we work through this passage. We get this baggage moved out of the way, And we start to look inside of our own hearts and ask the question, are we giving God's grace as we have received it? Are we giving God's grace to those around us? People created in the image of God. People who have families, who have parents, who have hopes, who have dreams, who have a soul, a spirit, Spirit, are we giving them the grace that you and I have been given in this life? Ironically, no, it's not ironically. It was a God thing this this week. Monday morning, I hadn't even opened up my Bible to look at the passage for the week. And I was confronted with a story about prison health care. The commentator explained that we need to improve the health care in our prisons, and I immediately, I haven't even looked at God's word, I immediately disagreed. Those rapists and those murderers can rot in their cells, I thought, and I refuse to consider anyone incarcerated as a human being. I immediately wanted my sense of fairness. And I judged those individuals that they deserved their poor health care. And I had a really neat chart. Did I put it in there? I did! this was the convincing argument for me. He said that 100% of those incarcerated are people. I haven't read the passage yet. He said 100% of those incarcerated are people, and that hit me right here. Boy, that stepped on my toes. Yeah, the debate about health care is so much deeper, and it certainly needs to be debated But my point is this, I was convicted this way, this week, that I don't always humanize people. I was convicted this week that I have a very worldly sense of fairness. And I was convicted this week that I also have been given a great deal of grace And others deserve it too. I was convicted to treat people better than I think they deserve. And my friends, that's exactly where the cross takes us, is it not? As we gather the cup and the the bread, we're reminded that we were treated better. The death that we deserved because of our sin, Christ took upon himself. Not just for the whole community of faith, but for the whole world. We're going to sing a song this morning in preparation as we reflect on this sacrifice. As we sing the song, I invite you to go to one of the three communion stations that are set up here to take the cups. The top cup has the juice, and the bottom cup has a little wafer of bread. And I invite you to hold and reflect together. Jim is going to come up and share a few words, and we're going to take these emblems together. Will you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? to thank Him for the sacrifice, and to begin the reflection of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the sacrifice of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the reminder in Scripture that You have freed us from sin and and the debt that we owe And I pray, Lord, that we can treat others with the same kind of grace and love that you've given us. I pray, Father, for opportunities to do just that. Not that we will just be reminded this morning, but that you will put us in place where we can share your amazing grace through our actions of generosity and love. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray these things in his name. Amen.